Hello and welcome, friends, to another edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, here on your community radio station. We are WFMPLP Louisville, broadcasting from here in the historic Habern Building at 106.5 FM. But you might be listening to our live stream at forwardradio.org. You can hear it anywhere in the world. You can also catch up with archives of our programs. If you want to share something that you heard with somebody else or listen to it again, uh, maybe you tuned in in the middle, want to hear the whole thing, go to forward forwardradio.org. You can find all of that there. And you can also find ways to get involved in our community station. It really is radio for the people, by the people. And that means you all can get behind the microphones here. Unlike any other station in town, we have an open microphone for you to share your thoughts, ideas, perspectives with the community. And uh, even if you're not ready to do a weekly program like this, you can come and do a one-time access hour. So go to forwardradio.org and click participate. Hey, and while you're there, throw a few bucks in our hat. (laughs) We rely entirely on listener contributions to keep us on the air. And at $20 a day, that is a steal that we can all afford, right? So chip in 20 bucks, help uh, sponsor an entire day's broadcast here at Forward Radio. Well, what we do each week on Sustainability Now is bring in interesting folks from around the community who are engaged in sustainability in all kinds of fun ways. I talk about trees on this program a lot, but... I don't often talk about cutting them down and doing something with them. So I'm excited to get an urban uh, lumberman, urban sawyer in the studio with me. Welcome to the studio, Luke Gunn. Yes, hello. Hey, it's great to have you here. I just learned about your business in Shelby Park, right? That's where you're located. Mm -hmm. It's called Sawet. And I should spell that for listeners because it's a little unusual. S-A-W hyphen W-H-E-T, Sawet Hardwoods. Uh, Explain that name. Explain what it is you do. Uh, Sawet Hardwoods is a sustainable lumber mill in Louisville, Kentucky. We get trees taken out of people's yards by tree services, and we work with the tree services to make those logs into lumber. Um, the name comes from Sawat Owl. Um, oh, of course. It's a tiny little owl, but it, it the name Sawat comes from a wet stone that they used to sharpen tools with. Oh. So the owl sounds like a Sawat, and yeah, it is too. It was a nice name, I thought. And it. And but besides sharpening tools, is water ever used in the in the milling process? On my mill, yes, it uses water as a lubrication. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah. Okay, so it really is sawing wet, but it's it's yeah. inspired by the <clears throat> owl. Uh, if folks want to learn more and play along at home, they can find saw wet hardwoods online at Kentucky Urban Hardwood. Dot com. Just a further introduction of Luke. He is the owner and an artisan woodworker and sawyer, as I mentioned. He grew up on a farm in southern Indiana. We might get to talk about that and how it inspired you, too. And attended Purdue, uh, where you did a landscape architecture degree, right? Correct. Uh, so you, you were kind of interested in landscapes from a young age, right? Yeah, landscape and, and design yeah. and just artistry, I guess, you know, but... The, the landscape architecture thing was, it, it was a very important sustainability. Yeah. You know, landscape architects have been beneficial to the landscape, and in some other ways they've also been bad to creating and bringing in invasive species, oh, yeah. which is also something I used to do is invasive removal. So I was oh, yeah. penance for my sins of <laughs> planting the wrong plants. 
<laughs> well, I'm glad you brought up invasives already because that's yeah. a question I had about that. When I think about cutting down trees, you know, justifiably, that always seems like one that's top of my list. Is we yeah. have like in in my yard, the house I bought has a tree of heaven, and I land this, yeah. which is one of these really aggressive invasive trees in our city in our region. Uh, you know, but does it, it doesn't, it's not a hardwood, right? It doesn't have a lot of maybe value in the way that you think of it in terms of lumber. So talk a little bit about that and, 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 and invasives. I, I imagine that's something you don't really work with. Yeah. I mean, sometimes people do request the polonia and the Atlantis, which are both pretty big invasives around here. They, they turn out more like balsa wood. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe if you want to float something. Yeah. yeah. Like in that sense, if you wanted to, for carving or model making or something, it would be good. But I think I, I do try to cut a variety of different species compared to just like the walnut and white oak yeah. and hickory and red oak. Those are very common and they're very common in the urban areas as well. But I try to have a variety of different species so people can kind of get an idea of what is around them. Yeah. No, so. absolutely. Um, and, you know, some, when you're thinking about using these, not just as like framing a house, but, you know, for furniture and things like that, the, the, the appearance and durability, too, of the wood really makes a difference, right? So you've got to be thinking carefully about the kinds of species you, you use for this purpose, right? Yeah. I mean, for home building and such, you know, the materials in the past were coming locally, but now we're, you know, shipping them all over the place. Right. Um, so and, and now we're struggling to even source them, right? In yeah. the pandemic, it's been a real problem. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, you know, I guess the result of that is that if you have your materials come from halfway around the world, they're not <laughs> They might get stuck in the Suez Canal <laughs> yeah. for God knows how long, right? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, a lot of the hardwoods in... Kentucky is like the number two hardwood producer, I guess, in the United States. Oh, so really? it kind of made sense to do something like that, what, what I'm doing here, because there are so many very valuable hardwoods around right. here. And what, what typically happens to our hardwoods, our trees, when they're cut down in an urban, for whatever reason? People cut down trees for all kinds of good and really unfortunate reasons in our city, right? What's, what's the typ what typically happens to these logs? I would say the majority of them get chipped into a mulch or ground into mulch, and then they burn that mulch for alternative energy sources. Wow. Um, over on Bell's Lane on the west side of town, they burn it. Is that right? Huh. Yeah, so most of it, some of it will go to paper pulp type mills, and some, I'm sure, does go to other hardwood mills, but for the most part, they would probably be cutting them into pallets and not using the hardwood lumber. Like I said, I try to have a variety where some of the varieties of trees that would get taken down in the city would just be used for pallet making. You know, it wouldn't they wouldn't see them as like a hardwood value as much. So there's a lot of things. I mean, but yeah, the burning, you know, most chip most of the trees gonna be chipped up already. Just the bigger chunks get taken to various log yards, like there's one on River Road and hmm. there's one I think kind of on the east end of town. Hmm. But mainly it's chipped up, and I mean, some of those chips would be used for people's yards as well, but that's a pretty small fraction of what happens to it. And yeah, and the person who requests the tree service is never involved, in, rarely involved in this decision-making process or the economics of it at all. I mean, I assume there's, there is some economic value to these logs, right? Yeah, for sure. 
there are some very nice trees that grow in the city and very, <laughs> very large trees. Yeah. So I can get some nice, what they call quarter sawn lumber, really wide boards because the trees are just so massive <laughs> that we wow. have compared to forest trees. They have more competition in the forest. Huh. Oh, where in the urban okay. areas, sometimes they don't, you know, there's not any trees around them, so they can grow a lot faster and bigger. No, oh, that's interesting. Well, I've heard the I've heard the flip side too. I've heard that sawmills, traditional sawmills, uh, maybe larger scale, I don't know, are sometimes reluctant to deal with urban trees because they contain things you wouldn't find in like a plantation grown tree, whether it's damage or bullets or <laughs> yeah. who knows what right mm -hmm. uh, so they're a little less um you know they're not domesticated in the sense they're not intentionally grown for lumber so they might be harder to work with uh, is that maybe an advantage of a smaller scale sawmill like you that you can handle those things yeah i mean i definitely try to work with the tree services to kind of educate them about what i want um as far as the the shape of the log so sometimes, like you're saying, the urban logs tend to lend themselves to more like a slab cut where mm. the live edge slabs, just because if they're not growing straight, they have a lot of problems with the twisting of lumber. Yeah. Which is... Which can be beautiful, but... It can be, yeah. Hard to work with. <laughs> yeah. Can be beautiful. It's definitely something that I, uh, you know, kind of school of hard knocks learned that <laughs> this stuff is not good to mill and this stuff is good to mill and this is how you do it and... Yeah, I didn't grow up with a sawmill. I never really seen one. I just kind of just went on an adventure and decided oh, really? to. And when did do that this. adventure start? I didn't even ask how long this business has um, been. Around. A little over two years. We've been open to the public for about a year. Wow! So it takes a while to to get lumber dried from the when it's cut. Sure. You let it air dry for a process and then kiln dry for another process. So it could take up to six months to a year. Oh, really? to get material even dry and ready to be able to sell. So. Wow. And you have the space to do that there in Shelby Park? Yeah. Well, I, I got into a kind of a warehouse district. Yes. Yeah. It's it's nice. You yeah. know, some of the old stuff that they're building a lot of warehouses right now, but they don't fit into that sort of size warehouse. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah, there's some interesting woodworkers and stuff in Shelby Park still. Is and that right? Germantown. I mean, t it tends to be other small wood shops around there. So I don't know. Huh. If it's always been like that or what, but oh. it's kind of nice to be part of the community. Yeah, a little bit of a, a, a economic ecosystem there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. And and part of, that's part of the mission of the business is is to supply woodworkers and maybe even builders. I don't know. You tell me uh, with some more locally sourced materials, right? Yeah, I mean, I do work with different contractors, and we make stair treads, tabletops, countertops, vanities, stuff like that. But also, like, just homeowners can come in, a DIY person can come in and buy lumber. But we also make things with the lumber ourselves, so yeah. either one. If you want to try your hand at making a tabletop, I'll give you as many uh, tips as I can. Cool. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, let's lay out for our listeners with the, the full range of services that Sawit offers and products as well. Uh, I mean, I know because of your architectural background, you even offer design work, right? Yes, we just, you know, from custom milling, which we try to do that only at our shop. Um, we don't like to go on other people's properties right now to do custom milling. But from custom milling, we can get your lumber dried for you if you wanted to. But people can also just come in and buy lumber. Okay. Uh, we can have the services of flattening out your lumber for you or sanding it as well. 
but we also, like you said, design services. We can help you with what we would think would look best in your home, color-wise, size-wise, those kind of things. Uh, we work with some interior designers as well. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, and then products. You've got some tables and things like that available? Um, yes, mainly we do a lot of flat work, so just like tabletops and maybe with metal legs. Yeah, um, yeah. And also live-edge slab pieces, which is very, very common these days. Ooh, that means it's still got the bark on it. Yeah. Well, we <laughs> take the bark off, but yes, that same, the same look. Yeah, yeah. cool. Oh, wow. So you're open to the public there? Uh, should we give out the address? Is that Yeah, that we're helpful? at uh, 500 Bergman Street. It's there, runs parallel to the railroad tracks off of Shelby Street. Okay, um, yeah. Okay, so between uh, the Shelby Park Park itself and uh, Merriweather Avenue. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you might get stuck behind a train. Yes. <laughs> I get that a lot from customers. Sorry, I'm behind yeah. the train. Oh, man, too bad. I mean, if you had a big enough business, you might even use the rail lines as a sustainable know, right? way of shipping. Yeah. Um, but that's not really the, you're not really thinking about export. This is more a localized economy, right? Yeah, and, you know, we're trying to get... Get as many uh, tree services involved too as possible. So if there's any tree services out there listening, you know they can. It's a way to get rid of logs for free. Yeah. Most of the places that have big log yards, they're having the tree services pay to dispose of these wow. logs. So wow. we offer a free place to drop them off, or we, I mean, with certain species we compensate too for, for logs. So. Yeah. Which are those? Which are those species that you really prize and you really look for? Um, walnut, white oak, red oak, hickory, pecan, cherry. Those are some of the main ones, yeah. 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 But, I, but gotta... I, I like some odd ones, too, like Osage Orange. Uh-huh. It's very hard and very like colorful type woods. Yeah, so. it is neat wood. Now, I have a black walnut in my front yard right next to that horrible Ilanthus. Uh, and occasionally... We do a little pruning on that thing, and I might take a limb down, but that might not really meet what you're looking for, right? There's certain dimensions that you're looking for. Yes. You know, if I'm buying a log, I want it to be at least probably 16 inches in diameter. Okay. And between 8 and 16 foot or so oh, okay. in length. but And straight. And straight, yeah. <laughs> so if, if, like, the pith or the center of the tree grew in the center of the diameter of the log, then that's a really good sort of proportion to the log to be able to cut with straight boards yeah where branches you know they have a lot of what they call holding wood so it's like if you stick out your arm you know there's there's some sagginess underneath your arm there's a lot of especially as we age yes there's there's like a lot of like your bones are closer to the top that's essentially like the pith of the log is going to be closer to the top of the center of the diameter of the log on branches so when you cut that it releases a lot of energy and makes warped boards which i don't really recommend i don't um, when people want stuff like that cut for themselves i just pretty much inform them that, that it's possibly not gonna turn out with anything good yes so, yes okay it might be more of an experimental art project or yes yeah. <laughs> if you got something that you need to, a piece of bent wood for it'd be great <laughs> But, I can hook you up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm speaking today with Luke Gunn. I'm really excited to get to know him. He's a, a local artisan woodworker and sawyer and owner of Sawet Hardwoods. S A W W H E T Hardwoods, named after the owl. You can learn more about them at KentuckyUrbanHardwood.com or they're located in beautiful Shelby Park, right along the rail line at 500 Bergman Street. Do you have regular hours that you're open to the public? 
Yes, Thursday through Saturday. Thursday from through Saturday. From 10 to 6. 10 to 6. All right. And you great. can also schedule an appointment on our website. Cool. All right. Yeah, KentuckyUrbanHardwood.com. Yeah. And I... I haven't been yet. I'm looking forward to visiting. I bet it smells amazing. It does. Certain <laughs> times, yeah. Certain types of wood smell great, and some don't. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. What what doesn't smell good? Um, pin oak. Pin oak. Yeah, okay, pin oak. I never it's a that. very common tree we have here in Louisville, so, and one that we don't accept as a hardwood from because <laughs> it stinks up the shop. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a, that's one of many reasons, but it, it, but it doesn't uh, it doesn't hold together well. They grow really fast. We do yeah. have fast growing trees here. I think uh, tulip poplar. The tulip poplar, I think, is the fastest growing deciduous tree in North America. It's an, it's incredible. I've planted a it lot is. in our city, and they just blow me away with how quick they grow. Mm-hmm. And that's that's great for urban canopy and shade and stuff like that. But not so maybe carbon sequestration, but not so great for your purposes. Um, it, poplars are very commonly used like trim board oh, okay. and stuff like that. So we do like poplar. It's easy to work with, easy to cut. It's just not the hardest of the hardwoods. Yeah. Um, the pin oaks also grow very fast, which makes them really weak wooded, even though it is an oak. You think of it being yeah. like hard, but yeah. it's actually kind of soft. Huh. Not soft, but brittle. Yeah. Any other uh, curious, spe- while we're on the topic of species again, any other uh, curious ones that you've sort of experimented with or less common ones that you find around here that you want to share? Hmm. I mean, the Osage Orange, which is a native. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's, you did mention that. It's, I think, from what I understand, it was kind of like from like Missouri or something. Uh-huh. We kind of spread it around the country a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um, the farm I grew up on, we had our corner posts were made from like whatever branches or whatever stuck in the ground of <laughs> Osage Orange, and they were probably there for 50 years wow. plus years and never, never rot. So, wow. it's more of a tropical type related to some of the ones in South America, I uh-huh. guess. But, Another street tree we get here is Zelkova, which is like yes. a, an, a Japanese elm, I believe. Yeah. I did mill one of those the other day. Huh. Uh, we get some really beautiful elms. Some of the elms have had disease problems, but huh. we also they get, grow really large here. Wow. Now, so, your, your focus is on sustainability in so many different ways, and I love that. I want to highlight that as much as possible. There's no doubt that milling wood involves some waste products, right, uh, so, like sawdust and cutoffs and things like that. So how do you handle those waste products to try and maximize the reuse of everything? So right now we just give things away, yeah. you know, like <laughs> to the community. If someone comes in and buy a lumber, you know, all the cutoff stuff, they're free to have it for firewood. And same with the sawdust. People can come in there and, and pick up sawdust. Yeah, so just giving things away. You know, if it's a waste product to us and and we have to essentially pay to get rid of it, yeah. I mean, I'm fine for people to, to have some of that material. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's very useful for working in gardens or compost. You know, adding some of that sawdust is... Beneficial yeah. in layering your compost. Yeah, good for mulch so. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so waste products, uh, that's one thing. And then sources of energy is another. I imagine this is a pretty energy-intensive operation. Uh, hardwoods seems like it takes a lot of energy to cut through. What What is your energy use like, and have you thought about maybe one day renewable energy sources, or do you try to work on efficiency and those kinds of things too? Yeah. Our sawmill is It's a gas-powered sawmill, uh, okay. so yeah. it's not it's the same as kind of a lawnmower which (laughs) are not energy efficient whatsoever they produce a lot of pollution actually we would like to have an electric one in the future oh cool 
The kiln drying process is using waste wood to heat a boiler, and the boiler circulates water, creating radiant heat inside the kiln. So in that way, it is a, you know, it's using some waste product to heat the water. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. But those are the only sustainable practices right now. But in the future, we would like to have solar panels. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, one, we, st- one step at a time. <laughs> yeah. It does use a lot of power, you know, for certain processes of the finishing process, I yeah. guess. Yeah. But, and then if listeners are thinking, wow, this is cool. I'm, I want to get, I, I know I have to remove this tree on my property because it's diseased or it's just fallen down or I want to build a shed there or whatever. Is there a way that listeners could donate their logs to you uh, for milling? Yeah, I would just say work with your tree service, you know, have them give me a call if they have any questions, but, you know, you're free to drop off at yeah. my spot. Sometimes it matters on the condition of the tree. Sure, So sure. just keep that in mind. <laughs> if, if they're dying or um, have been dead, that might not be something that I would be would yeah. want. But it's also just almost impossible to tell until you cut that tree off at the ground and see if a raccoon's been living in there or something, you know, (laughs) sometimes it looks fine from the outside, but it's hollow on the inside. Yeah. Right. Um, So So it just takes communication really. That's the difficult part of it is just, Hey, I got this tree. Can you send me a photo? Is it on the ground? You know, can they haul it to me? Uh, We don't really go pick up logs right now. So, Oh really? Okay. So yeah, so if the if the tree service can get it to you, and, and it's just a matter of asking the tree yeah. service, right? And you have some established relationships with some tree services. Uh, yeah, quite a few in town. Uh, people that just operate cranes as well, just for tree services. Yeah. But I've been getting a lot of logs from Cave Hill Cemetery because they're doing some oh, work wow. out there, and Cave Hill Cemetery is an arboretum. Yes. So it has some very well taken care of trees. Yes. And, uh, and unusual trees too. Yeah. Yeah, it's very it's very cool to get stuff from a place like like that. Yeah, yeah. that is cool. And we do try to figure out. You know, sometimes we know where the logs come from and try to pass that story along. In yeah. the case of Cave Hill Cemetery, we usually know where those logs are coming from, but. Yeah, I was going to ask that if, like, there's a way to track the story of the tree. Like, if if I was to purchase one of these tabletops from you, would I be able to tell folks where this came from and maybe even someday go visit the site where it grew or something Ooh, like wow, that? Oh, wow, that'd be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> it's not quite that uh, sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. There's a lot of information in my brain that doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get written down on a piece of paper, so... You need a USB port. Yes. I, I, just, I might know where it is, but will I remember in five years when it sells, actually? Is that how long? Wow, you can... Well, you sometimes, can... you know, I some stuff I just... It sets out there and is drying, and it doesn't really hurt it to set outside and set there for years, really, wow. because it's... Once you have it on... In the drying process, we put what they call stickers between them, which is just one by one sticks, and then uh-huh. so that allows airflow air around flow, them, yeah. and so they can set out there for a long time. I, I just planted down some pine today that was probably sitting there for a year yeah. out in the weather. Yeah, planted it down and it didn't look, it wasn't rotted at all. There wasn't anything wrong with it. Oh wow! So and what about termites? Is that not a big issue? Not really. Termites need like Moisture. wet. Yeah. Yeah. We get, there are some very interesting bugs, for sure. (laughs) I do love to take photos of the bugs that crawl around on the logs and the lumber. I mean, they're like, yeah. 
prehistoric yeah. size bugs on sometimes <laughs> on there. So, oh my gosh, have you ever discovered a nest of some kind of creature while you're sawing? Uh, just mouse, you know, uh, just okay. sad little mouse that didn't uh, didn't make didn't it make out. it after that. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> uh, you don't find porcupines or <laughs> no, and no like uh, wasp nests either. So yeah, that's that can good. be an issue. Yeah. Now that's another aspect of this. So I'm a beekeeper, so I'm in tune with these uh, Kentucky and Beekeepers Association and, and things like that. And then we often get calls from people who have bees that have nested in, it might be their house or it might be some log or, or, or cavity on their trees, on their property, and cutting those out is a very specialized thing that some beekeepers are willing to do. Uh, mm-hmm. But I imagine that, you know, the wood is left over at the end of it. Maybe they should get in touch with you. If it's a valuable <laughs> species, right? Yeah, especially if it's got honeycomb left in there. Yeah, you know, hey, let me know. Me. I'll take that one. <laughs> It'll make your, your shop really smell good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So you're a fairly new business, and it started, what, just before COVID hit? Yeah, we pretty much opened the doors around the beginning of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that has got to be a challenge, Luke. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I think the benefit to that was some more people DIYing, you know, being like, well, oh. I got a little bit of free time now. And, you know, I found some, you know, nice relationships from that with yeah. customers that just like, hey, can I come in? You know, they're a little frightful about coming into a sawmill, but uh, I'm pretty friendly. So. You don't come <laughs> out with a chainsaw? Yeah, no. <laughs> no I'm not the typical lumberjack, I guess. But yeah, so yeah, feel free to come in. It's not a very intimidating place. Yeah. And so it was it was nice with that aspect that people came in and were, you know, we got to talk and people yeah. were lonely, I'm sure, over yeah, the last really. year. So yeah. it, was, it was fun to have uh, common ground to talk about, too. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you're learning some things from those folks, too. Maybe not the people who are brand new to it, but the 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 woodworkers who've been doing this for a while you probably it's probably you know quite a good exchange of information about these hardwoods right yeah to get started with this business i did take a couple woodworking classes with a local wood shop here oh wow uh, ted harland is the wood shop he teaches a lot of classes you know i learned a lot there but yes like especially about woods i think i learned more about different species i had some background with the landscape architecture to identify woods yeah um but now i can say that i can identify them dressed and undressed both <laughs> yeah um, but you learn more from people about the different aspects of wood yeah um, well, this is cool. Uh, I want to tell a little story from my UofL world. Um, so we had to remove some trees on campus recently, unfortunately, uh, because we've built some new residence halls, which are right in the heart of campus, right around the clock tower. And the first one has just opened for, for people to move in right now at the start of the fall semester. And uh, at the at the not the, the grand opening ceremony they um took us on tours and i got to see some of the uh, ways that they incorporated re- reclaimed wood from the site 
Uh, I know we talked about doing that, and then I finally getting to see what that looks like. Uh, and it is, you, you mentioned some, like, how different ways wood is used in interior design. And, and this is more like a, a decorative element in a lounge with uh, a wall that's covered in, in rounds. They're only about eight inches. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, like, were they just using the branches of the trees or what? And maybe there's other ways it's been incorporated in the building I haven't seen yet. But uh, it's really, is a lovely effect. Uh, four of the trees I know were maples that we had been tapping. Um, and there were some other kinds of species, too, on the site. So uh, it's good to see uh, that even like a big, you know, messer construction can can make this kind of thing happen. Uh, but I don't think it's super common, right? Like the typical thing is to just cut down any trees on site, let the tree folks take them away and do what they do. And then, you know, source your lumber from God knows where, wherever you can get it cheapest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I see that. I live on the south end, and they, they're putting in warehouses everywhere, and I just drove past another site where they're putting in a warehouse, and all the trees are now in a oh. big piles that oh. are just all mulched up, you know? It's like... Wow. But it, Yes, I mean, people just order things, and it comes from sometimes halfway around the world, like I said, yeah. um, especially hardwoods. People source hardwoods from South America and stuff like that, which... Yeah. There's a lot of colorful stuff. It's a lot of different stuff from all around the world, but we have a lot of interesting hardwoods here too right um, right just the the variety that we have here you know it's a very biodiverse place where we live yeah. in kentucky yeah so let's take advantage of our local resources that's what sustainability is all about you're listening to sustainability now with me justin mogg here on community radio forward radio wfmp lp louisville we broadcast at 106.5 fm from here in the historic Hayburn building and we live stream at forwardradio.org my guest in studio today is luke gunn he is a business owner in Shelby Park, it's called Saw Wet Hardwoods. You can learn more about them at KentuckyUrbanHardwood.com. And you can even stop by their place at 500 Bergman Street from Thursdays to Sundays, did you say? Saturday. Saturday, sorry. Uh, so uh, Luke has a background in architecture and uh, even went to Ball State, which is a great place. I've heard a lot about their sustainability mm -hmm. initiatives uh, to earn a master's in architecture. So... Uh, so tell, tell us a little bit about some of that design work that you would offer for clients. Yeah, I mean, if, if you have, were working with an interior designer or something already, especially to source products, um, you know, typically that's the client that comes to us that they're yeah. already working with maybe an interior designer and they're trying to figure out some colors for different, oh, different yeah. features in their home or maybe coming up with shelving or something like that yeah yeah i guess it's a case-by-case -case basis yeah, right yeah. yeah in terms of the design services but there's also products available at the shop and uh custom milling so you mentioned that you don't do you don't like to do on-site milling but that might be something in the future you work towards do you have a mobile mill or how would that work uh yes both of my mills are actually mobile oh, i have okay. two mills one will cut about 30 inches wide it's a bandsaw oh, wow. um and that's very mobile. Then the other one is an Australian brand that cuts like six and a half foot wide, but it uses more of a chainsaw uh -huh. bar. Yeah. So both of those are mobile. It's just um, being, you know, packing up the stuff and moving everything. <laughs> sure. And not having equipment on site is is kind of a difficult thing. My law, you know, when I got started, I was rolling logs around with what they call a cant hook, which is a big, like a seven foot bar with a hook on the end of <laughs> yeah, it yeah yeah try to get a little leverage to pull these logs around <laughs> yeah, so 
Yeah, it's just not having the bigger equipment to be able to work on site. Um, is like the only... cranes and things like that. Is what you're yeah, cranes yeah, or yeah. skid loaders or whatever. Yeah, okay. So. Yeah. And being in, in an urban area, I feel like it's a lot of people are wanting stuff that's going to be taken down from tree services already. So if we yeah. can work with them. Um, right. Yeah, and people usually want it gone quickly. They don't want a milling operation on their site for a long time. So <laughs> yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a big piece of equipment, too, in an yeah. urban area. It's a little unruly to get on site. Yeah, Maybe around Halloween time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so are you in touch with other uh, foresters in the state? Uh, because, and I ask because um, this is part of, I think, an important part of the economic just transition of Kentucky from being known as a coal state to being more of a forestry state. I've always heard there's more jobs in forestry in Kentucky than there are in coal, right? And it mm-hmm. has been true for a long time. Uh, so are you connected at all with that world of, of Kentucky forestry? Um, not particularly. I mean, I I did work for a company here in town that does invasive removal. And in that way, we would actually get called into places that had been logged and taking care of invasives that would grow up before the actual hardwoods would come up. But, yeah, I mean, Kentucky has a lot of white oaks. Yeah. Um, That's what the bourbon barrels are made of, right? Yeah. Which affects the price, yeah, of of white oak. But, yeah, so going with the sustainability aspect, you know, it is a renewable resource, and I think that they do a good job of logging for the most part. You know, I, I in the rural area I grew up in, they're always trying to log our properties. But I have seen some of the effects of bad logging, too. Like I said, invasives growing back instead of yeah. the natives. And even more, I, my farm that I live in Louisville, it's, they probably clear-cut logged it 15 years ago, maybe. Uh-huh. The only thing that kind of came out was tulip poplars, but it's getting pulled down by vines. So the quality of the logs is very low. It will be for a long time. So yeah. I think they're I think they're looking at these things because invasives are a big deal with loggers in Kentucky because we a lot of stuff grows really well here. It's very <laughs> right. hot and it's very Plenty rainy. Rain. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, every you know stuff that we don't want to grow grows well here too. And, and with climate change, that's likely to get even more true, right? Um, so, explain why you think um, milling urban logs is of such value. Uh, don't don't we have enough wood from other sources that may be even easier to mill? I mean, why bother really? Um, I think it's just keeping we were talking about the sustainability aspect aspect of my business but shipping is a huge yeah use of energy so and the other part about urban logs sometimes getting chipped into mulch and burned it's not sequestering carbon like you mentioned before right. so those are you know i'm not going to be solving the world's problems but <laughs> i'm doing my little part hey everybody's you know, got to do a little yeah yeah so i think that's the aspect you know it's it is it's a niche little um, yeah. aspect, but it's it's something that it just gives someone an alternative right. that they don't have to go to a big box store and buy lumber. They can get something that is sustainable and they know where it comes from. And it has a cool story because it is, you know, out of people's yards in yeah. Louisville. Yeah. And so. honestly, they might not even be able to find these kinds of wood 
in mm. a big box store to begin with. Uh, and certainly not right now when there's this there's this crisis of lumber and building supplies in general, right? Yeah. And I would say the variety that we have. And also, typically, if you're buying from a big box store of like a hardwood, it's, it's very clean, you know, that they want it to be look exactly all the same oh, yeah uniform yeah, yeah uniform where we get stuff that might have bug holes it might have spalting it might have the ambrosia in it and so Ooh, what's that ambrosia is a i believe it's a fungus that's carried by a beetle oh. and the beetle gets in there and then it it i believe the it's carrying the fungus on it and the fungus turns the wood kind of a grayish color i'm guessing it's to help decompose so it uh-huh. can eat that uh-huh. the beetle can eat it but it leaves these cool little gray ghosts in the oh, wow. in the wood wow so and then uh spalting is just also another fungus it's kind of working its way through the wood to start the decom- decomposing process and it leaves black lines in the wood um oh. which is something you don't typically get at like a big box store with with the types of um hardwoods yeah because they're not wanting that yeah. product where we get more unique stuff sometimes we'll just let logs sit around because they will get more colorful Uh, turn grays and pinks and we get some poplars that are like blues and purples instead of just like typical green color Um, purple cool yeah (laughs) my favorite color (laughs) yeah and and some of the logs too they get one thing i would tell everyone out there please don't put nails into trees or screws or insulators or whatever people because <laughs> trees will eat them they just like totally right, encase right. everything <laughs> or, or i've seen uh trees growing into you know barbed wire and things yeah. like that yeah so that's hard on the mill but it also changes the color of the wood sometimes like the wood will be gray where the steel interacts with certain chemicals in the wood to change the color of it oh wow interesting mm-hmm. i mean that could be beautiful but it also could be hard to work with I yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's unique though if anything it's unique <laughs> unique touch <laughs> You know, I just thought of another possible uh, use for some of your waste products, uh, whether it's sawdust or maybe even some of the, I don't know if you ever end up with limbs that you can't deal with, but mushrooming. Are there people who do mushroom farming with some of your waste products? Um, They don't, but I have spoken to a couple people that were interested in it. Yeah, I mean, the hardwood sawdust, especially from like white oaks and stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah, I've done some before. Um, Yeah. Not very successfully, but I've <laughs> I tried. I struggle with growing mushrooms too. Yeah, it is. It's the, <laughs> it's a, it's definitely a science. Yeah. Um, but I love you know I I love the idea that I wish I could. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Luckily, I live I live out by Jefferson Memorial Forest. Oh so, wow! And we have some property where we can forage on our own property. But, oh, I love it. Yes. Yeah, it's great out there. Yes, good for urban foraging opportunities. Certainly that's, out uh, that way. I hope that is a sustainable resource in the future because I love chicken of the woods oh, and I, I wish that they could manufacture that because <laughs> it's just delicious. It is. Yeah. It is. It's such a delight to stumble upon in the woods. Too. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> being one of those aspects of sustainability, you know, is, is removing the meat from the. Yeah. Yeah, replacing the meat on their plate with something uh, more sustainable and local, uh, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, we're, we're nearing the end of our time together. I don't know if there's anything else about your sort of personal sustainability practices that you'd like to share or that background growing up on a farm and how it informed what you do today. Yeah, I mean, I grew up on a farm. Part of what informed my decision to become a sawmill was because I couldn't sit behind a desk all day. So I had to like get up <laughs> so and I'm going to make desks. <laughs> yeah. I started making desks, the, the life on the farm. But yeah, I mean, 
I grew up on a hog farm. We had 350 sows, and so we had wow. a CAFO farm, you know, wow. confined feeding. <laughs> I don't eat pigs anymore. <laughs> Is that because of that? Yeah, I mean, I just realized, you know, they're 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 intelligent creatures. I don't think, I think we're creating a lot of violence on the earth by keeping animals yeah. caged up and eating them. So we try, in my personal life, I don't eat a lot of meat, really. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, definitely not beef or pork. Yeah, so that aspect of sustainability, I've definitely learned on the yeah. farm to, yeah. it, 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 those areas in East Central Indiana is, is like a desert wasteland. Yeah. I mean, really, it's full of farm fields, but there's nothing living there. Mm. So mm. on our property here, we have a wildflower patch. Oh, you nice. Know, and it's, you know, you look at the neighbor's lawn and it's nice cut grass. <laughs> it's but, a green but desert. There's, <laughs> but there's nothing living there. So <laughs> Yeah. No, so, that's huge. Sustainability in your own backyard. Uh, you know, plant, plant some wildflowers and get rid of your grass. Yeah. It's the, a good, it'd be help everybody. The, plant some trees. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Plant some future lumber. Too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. Well, uh, yeah, we are we are getting towards wrapping up. So uh, just remind folks of, of how they can uh, check out your business uh, and, and what services you could offer them. Yeah, come check us out at 500 Bergman Street in the Shelby Park neighborhood and online at Kentucky Urban Hardwood. Yeah, we do custom milling. We sell hardwood lumbers, kiln-dried lumber, and we make tabletops and live-edge slabs. And Yeah. So now's the time to get into woodworking, and uh, yeah. <laughs> you'll have a local urban source of it. That is so cool. Thank you so much, Luke Gunn from Sawwet, urban Har- or Sawwet Hardwoods, uh, KentuckyUrbanHardwood.com, for joining us in the studio today. I hope this business continues to thrive and expand and survive the rest of the pandemic <laughs> yes <laughs> thank you and and please come back anytime and uh, give us an update on how how things are going there in shelby park okay great to Appreciate have you it. here all right stay tuned my friends coming up in just a minute it's your community action calendar oh yeah i've got lots of things on the calendar for you this week many ways to get engaged in sustainability so stay tuned my friends
WFMP LP Louisville broadcasting from the top of the historic Hayburn building at 106.5 FM and we live stream to the world at forwardradio.org which is also where we want you to go to take action for a better community now by becoming a part of our community radio station we can't make this magic happen without you it relies entirely on listener contributions to keep us on the air so you can go to forwardradio.org and click on donate and become a member of our station and maybe support an entire day's broadcast for just $20. What a steal. Uh, And we also really want your voices behind these microphones and your help behind the scenes. It takes a village to really make this radio happen. So please go to forwardradio.org. Think about how you can get involved today. Well, this is the time on sustainability now when we turn to our community action calendar. We get our pencils sharpened and our calendars out and make a plan for getting engaged in sustainability in our community this week. So many things coming up. Uh, Tuesday is the last in the virtual wild and scenic Red River Fest. I've been telling you about it for the last month or so. It's Tuesdays at 6 p.m. on Zoom, and this August 31st is the last one. The Kentucky Waterways Alliance invites you to join them for the final installment of the 2021 virtual wild and scenic Red River Fest on Zoom, hosted by KWA's Red River Watershed Coordinator, Laura Gregory. Coming up this August 31st, the theme at 6 p.m. is Caring for Your Household Septic System. It's going to be a great presentation by the University of Kentucky's Melissa McAllister and Wolf County Health Department's James Ed Wisman. This is a free, family-friendly event. You can register and get more information at kwalliance.org. And coming up on Wednesday, it's the first in a whole bunch of great events coming up at Bernheim this week. Bernheim Arboretum and Research Forest down in Claremont, Kentucky, invites you out on Wednesdays for their midweek nature walks there for early birds at 9 a.m., an hour and a half walk in the cooler summer mornings when Bernheim is extra lovely in that softer morning light. These hikes are led by Bernheim staff and volunteer naturalists each Wednesday through September uh, 8th. And please dress for the weather and wear shoes you don't mind getting earthy. Space is limited for safety, so they ask you to register early and please don't bring any pets. There's a small fee and registration and payment are due by 4 p.m. on the Tuesday prior to the Wednesday walk. You can register at 502-955-8512 or go to bernheim.org for registration. That's B-E-R-N-H-E-I-M dot org. And then on Friday, uh, September 3rd at 10 a.m., there is going to be a Trees of the Bent Twig Trail walk meeting at the Visitor Center. The Bent Twig Loop represents a microcosm of many wooded areas of Bernheim. Learning about trees in this forest fragment may be the first step towards greater understanding of both the history and ecology of the area. Join Interpretive Programs Manager Ren Smith for one of her engaging scratch and sniff walks. Sounds like a blast. Again, pre-registration is required by 4 p.m. the day before. 
And this Trees of the Bent Twig Trail is a a walk on Friday, September 3rd at 10 a.m. Go to Bernheim.org. There'll also be a volunteer orientation if you want to volunteer at a Bernheim. uh, And it's virtual, so you can join from anywhere on Saturday, September 4th uh, at uh, 10.30 a.m. And on Sunday, it's the first Sunday nature hike, Sunday, September 5th at 10.30 a.m., meeting at the Visitor Center. Again, for more information and to register for all that great stuff, go to Bernheim.org. Now, coming up at the University of Louisville, this Wednesday and Thursday, there's going to be a total of four free screenings of the 2019 documentary Gaza Fights for Freedom. It's filmed during the height of the Great March of Return protests, and it's a 90-minute documentary featuring exclusive footage of demonstrations in which over 200 unarmed civilians were killed by Israeli snipers since protests erupted on March 30th of 2018. This debut feature film by journalist Abby Martin began while reporting in Palestine, where she was denied entry into Gaza by Israeli government on the accusation she was a propagandist. So Abby connected with a team of journalists in Gaza to produce the film through the blockaded border. This collaboration shows you Gaza's protest movement like you've never seen it before. Filmed during the height of the Great March of Return protests, it features riveting exclusive footage of demonstrations. The documentary tells the story of Gaza past and present showing rare archival footage that explains the history never acknowledged by the mass media. You hear from victims of the ongoing massacre, including journalists, medics, and the family of internationally acclaimed paramedic Razan al-Najjar. At its height, at its core, Gaza Fights for Freedom is a thorough indictment of the Israeli military for war crimes and a stunning cinematic portrayal of Palestinians' heroic resistance. Again, this is going to be shown for free at the University of Louisville's Floyd Theater. It's in the third floor of the Student Activities Center right there at the Clock Tower in the heart of the Belknap campus. And the free screenings are on Wednesday, September 1st or Thursday, September 2nd. You can either go at 5 p.m. or 7.30 p.m. Now, also coming up on Thursday, September 2nd at 7 p.m., Louisville Climate Action Network's got a new book club, and they'll be discussing the book Drawdown. Elkan's new book club is going to be discussing Drawdown, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming, which is edited by Paul Hawken on Thursday, September 2nd. A reduced reading assignment is available for late joiners. Discussion format will be determined, though likely hybridized because of the pandemic. You can enroll for more info and updates at louisvillecan.org slash book club. That's louisvillecan.org slash book club. And that's Thursday the 2nd at 7 p.m. Also want to remind you that every Friday at noon, you can come on out to the University of Louisville's Garden Commons for our group work days throughout the fall. And uh, once about once a month, we're going to have various workshops, including coming up this Friday. Uh, our September 3rd at noon in the Garden Commons. And the topic this Friday is going to be gardening in cooler weather. You might be thinking about maybe, can I still plant anything this year and take advantage of those shoulder seasons when it actually might be easier to grow some things because of reduced weed and pest pressure and the heat and uh, the drought of the summer and all of that. So if you want to learn more about that, you're welcome to come on out for this free workshop Friday 
Friday at noon in the Garden Commons, which is located at the southwest corner of Strickler Hall, just behind the Speed Art Museum's parking garage. And uh, if you can't make it this Friday, come on out any Friday because all are welcome at our weekly group work days. It's an organic commons, uh, that's a garden that's grown by people in common. Students, faculty, staff, and the public are always welcome to join. There is also, while you're there, a, a native plant garden called the Corfidge Native Plant Garden run by the biology department right across the path. And throughout the year, you can join us by to learn by doing how to grow these hyper-local, super delicious vegetables, herbs, fruits and flowers anyone can work in the garden anytime but we do gather every friday at noon throughout the fall to harvest weed water and plant no prior experience is necessary and there's tools and gloves available and uh, yeah learn more at louisville.edu sustainability now, also a reminder from a previous show, we highlighted the Shively Farmers and Artisans Market that has just gotten started. It is every other Saturday through the end of October, including this coming Saturday, September 4th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Shively City Hall and Library at 3920 Dixie Highway. For more information about this great new market, you can check them out on Instagram at Shively Farmers Market K or also on Facebook, Shively Market, Farmers Market KY. Upcoming dates are September 4th, September 18th, October 2nd, 16th, and finally the day before Halloween on October 30th, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. out at Shively City Hall on Dixie Highway. Also want to remind you and invite you out every Sunday at noon. We call it Compost Church at the University of Louisville at our community composting site. We have a volunteer day every Sunday from noon to two. It's a great place to come and learn about composting and help us turn trash into treasure as we manage this volunteer-powered community composting operation. We encourage you to dress to get dirty on all tools are provided. You can learn about worm composting, and all participants are welcome to haul back home some rich UFL compost for your own gardening projects or potted plants or whatever you want to grow. Just bring whatever containers or vehicles you want to haul home however much you need. It's a weekly service opportunity throughout the year, and you can learn more about it at louisville.edu slash sustainability. The site is located at about 250 East Bloom Street. That's one block north of Cardinal Boulevard between Brook and Floyd Streets. We are at the very back of a large grounds lot. Just come on in and join us at the back of the lot uh, any Sunday from noon to 2. And finally, I want to let you know about a very special event coming up that we're going to do some live coverage of here on Sustainability Now. Uh, and if the live feed doesn't work, we're also going to make sure that the recording will be aired on Forward Radio during the Access Hour that week. It's coming up a week from Tuesday on September 7th. It's called We All Drink Downstream, and it's a community action event at 10 a.m. out at Riverview Park at 8202 Greenwood Road on Tuesday, September 7th at 10 a.m. A coalition of local community groups, political leaders, and science and health professionals will host a community action and education day about the ongoing issues with toxic chemical pollution in our Ohio River. We will learn about PFAS and related forever chemicals in our water supply, about the impacts of petrochemical development on the Ohio River, which provides drinking water for millions, including us right here 
here in Louisville, and about how we can advocate for our community health. This event is part of a national week of coalition actions, which will be shared with the Biden administration representatives and the media, calling on the government to halt all permitting for new petrochemical facilities. Now is no time to be locking ourselves into decades worth of deepening dependence on fossil fuels and petrochemicals, which both damage our climate system and poison our air, water, soil, and our bodies. Nearly two decades ago, the people of this neighborhood drafted the Louisville Charter, which continues to guide organizing work in frontline communities around the nation. The, speak, the people speak time and again, and yet our civilization continues to be built around compounds which poison us. Today, we all feel the inflection point, a sense that there's no use going this way and something has got to give. Let's talk together about how we take advantage of this moment. The event will include water testing out on the Ohio River, a bird's eye view, uh, and toxic tour map of the area's petrochemical corporate citizens. Speakers including Representative Scott, live radio fun, food from Food Not Bombs, and ways to plug in to find your place in the work of pushing back, as well as musical guests, The Mighty Shades of Ebony and Lionheart. For more information, you can go to facebook.com slash xrebelky as Extinction Rebellion Kentucky is one of the coalition partners. You can find the event page there, facebook.com slash xrebelky. And tune in to Ford Radio and Sustainability Now on Tuesday, September 7th at 10 a.m. for our live broadcast from the We All Drink Downstream community action event out at Riverview Park. And that's all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. Thanks so much to everybody for tuning in. It's been great having you along with us for this ride. And I look forward to being back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well. In the end, I know for sure you feel like rain. Give me that sweet, sweet summer rain Come and wash away my blues again